The follow-up is simple. Ask a question, listen to the answer, then follow up. I'm your host, Noah Kozlov. Enjoy. The follow-up today is with the award-winning sports writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer. This is his third appearance on the follow-up. He is Bob Ford. So, Bob, what's the Japanese mattress story? Well, that's the one you forgot to ask me about in the in the first two follow-ups that oh, I was, uh, I was, that I was on. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I always say that covering Charles Barkley, uh, which I did for four seasons – of the eight seasons I covered the Sixers was, was like having an extra 50 stories to write every year, just because Charles would do these outrageous things all the time. And I've told a couple of those stories, Mm -hmm. but, but there was one day after practice and the Sixers used to practice at St. Joseph's university. And, uh, I went into the locker room after practice and, uh, Charles was sitting at his locker and it was just, he and I were talking and he, and he said, he said, I'll, I'll do a little, little Charles for you. He said, hey, Bob, how much can they find me if I miss a day of practice? <laughs> and uh, I said, well, Charles, they can fine you up to $10,000 before you can appeal it to the, to the Players Association. But what? what? What do you got? What's going on? He said, well, there's this Japanese mattress company that wants me to fly to Tokyo and do a mattress commercial, and they're going to pay me $100,000. The way I look at it, I'll be $90,000 ahead. And I said, I said, Charles, it's, it's the middle of the season. You can't fly to Tokyo and back in one day. And he says, oh, yeah, you can. They got that international dateline. <laughs> I said, "Listen, it's not it's not a time machine. It it's it still takes the same number of hours to fly over and back. You're not doing this. And also, you're not telling anyone else that you were considering doing it. Do you understand?" He was, "Okay, I just thought I'd run it by you." And that's an absolutely true story. And he finally after the season was over, he did in fact fly to Tokyo and do a mattress commercial. I don't know why it wouldn't have been easier for the for the mattress company to just hire someone in New York or Philadelphia to do it. But he did, in fact, fly to Tokyo, did the mattress commercial, and did make $100,000. And I don't know how long it took him to travel or what else he did while he was over there. But I, I know the international dateline did not help him shave any time off of that trip. So that that was the Japanese mattress uh, company story. Have, you, have it, you seen the commercial? Well, I believe it was only shown in Japan. Is it's it's not online? Can I um, can I look this up as we record? Well, if you want to Google a Japanese mattress commercial Charles Barkley, uh, maybe you'll find it. But you know, I I don't know. I n- I never saw it myself. I would assume it involved Charles laying on a mattress and and, and being uh, comfortable and and restful. That would be my assumption. Did he miss practice often or ever? No, he was he was not a guy who missed a lot of practices or shoot arounds. So that would have been out of character for him to just just take off. It wasn't like you know Iverson, who you know if he was at practice, it was an anomaly. 
but but Charles no Charles was usually there. He was usually hung out. He didn't always practice hard, but he he always came by and and ran up and down and took a shower and then went home. Do you think if real quick on Iverson if Iverson played in the social media era, he'd be as beloved as he is in Philadelphia and around basketball? No, uh, be, and because it's become so much more of a gotcha society that, you know, all those sort of transgressions that, you know, we sort of heard about, but they were covered up, you know, where he was at the casinos until five in the morning, you know, the night before a day game and all, and all that kind of stuff. There would have been people with cell phones and, and you know, Twitter bombs and, and all that kind of stuff constantly. And I, I just don't think that he would have – I don't think people's patience for him. He was sort of lovable in a certain scampy way uh, to a lot of the fan base. And I don't think people's patience with him would have been quite as as long as it was today if, like, every day he was, you know, being photographed coming out of a casino at, at 4 in the morning, often uh, being wheeled out, we were told – in, in a wheelchair because he was unable to do so under his own power, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I think a lot of guys, you know, Babe Ruth in the social media age, certainly Charles in the social media age, uh, you know, all of those guys benefited from having uh, privacy that, that athletes and, and other celebrities don't have now, including NFL team owners. Oh, that's for sure. As, as reporters, how did you guys – decide or you just personally decide what to report on off the court and what not to with Barkley and Iverson? Uh, well, I was, I was certainly around Iverson a lot less than Charles. And with Charles, most of the things were like that, you know, uh, you know, there were just things that would have turned into stupid stories if he, if he had carried them out and you just see Charles, you know, don't do that. And, you know, I think I've told you before, and we may even have talked about it on, on the, on the podcast that, you know, I was in Milwaukee the night he was arrested and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, punched the guy in the nose and went to jail. And, you know, you don't have a lot of choice in, in something like that. And But there were a lot of things, and a lot of times it was just Phil Jasser and I on the beat, and he would say something completely off the wall and, you know, that would have been mean or, or just would have created a hubbub. And a lot of times we just didn't quote him. I mean, you know, sometimes Charles, as Dave Kosky used to say, a lot of athletes – are jerks who want you to think they're good guys, and Charles was a good guy that wants you to think he's a jerk. So a lot of the times he just was saying things for, uh, for effect. The one thing that you really had to watch out for was when you were on the road and you know the locker rooms were open before the game, and this was back in the day when athletes actually talked before games and you could just kind of hang out. When you went on the road with the Sixers, there was nothing easier for an, for an out-of-town writer you know, it was their town because you were coming to their town, who needed an early sidebar or an early column to go, you know, sit and poke the bear a little bit. And, you know, you had to you had to monitor that stuff. You had to babysit what Charles was saying to the writers in Boston when you were in Boston or to the writers in Chicago when you were in Chicago, because, you know, he could be you know, calling for the violent overthrow of the government if you're not paying attention. And you, you have to make sure that a story doesn't pop up on your beat just because, you know, somebody came in and was asking Charles about whatever the latest controversy was. That happened a lot. That happened an awful lot. Did he treat Philadelphia media differently than national media? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He was actually wanted to curry favor. And, you know, 
familiarity breeds contempt and all that kind of stuff. And when you're at home games, you know, there's it's not just the two traveling beat guys. You know, it's, it's some television cameras and, mm-hmm. and some sidebar people and some smaller uh, outlet uh, newspapers and things like that. You know, there's 12 or 15 people, so it's more that you have to deal with. But uh, I remember one time we were in Dallas, and uh, and the team and uh, media stayed at the Hyatt, which was right next to the old uh, Reunion Arena. Mm-hmm. And uh, there had been a story in the paper that morning in the Dallas Morning News by a guy named uh, David Moore, who's still there, that, you know, Sixers should trade Charles Barkley. He doesn't make any anybody around him better. He's, they're never going to win a championship with this guy. He's just a bad locker room guy. They should get him out of town. And this is, you know, the, the Sixers were playing Mavericks that night. So after the game, uh, David was at the game, we went back to the Hyatt, and we were sitting in, in the Hyatt lounge having a beer, and Charles comes rolling up. And and I, I call and I called him over, and he goes, oh, hi, Bob. And yeah, he didn't know David at all, but Charles read everything. And I said, Charles, I'd like you to meet a friend of mine from the Dallas Morning News, David Moore. <laughs> and and David, you know, like David's like shrinking down in his chair. <laughs> and, and Charles says, David Moore, David Moore, I'm going to buy you a beer. You helping me get out of town. <laughs> and, and, and he did. Went, walked over to the bar and bought a beer and brought it over and gave it to David and sat down. <laughs> so that was that was pretty typical. Yeah, I, I, you can imagine what David was thinking when I when I introduced him. And it's just a but shame yeah. that you you just can't have those types of interactions anymore. No, no, it's completely impossible. And it's one of the things that that I, you know, and I don't want to sound like the old sports writer, but you know, I, it wasn't all that long ago that you could that you could just hang out with guys. There was a, a guy on on those teams, that era teams, named Bob Thornton, and sure. I believe Bob, I believe he's an assistant in the league still. He somewhere. is. Uh, last thing I remember, I remember him being with the Grizzlies. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I think I think you're right. But uh, he was, you know, six eleven bench guy and did not play very often for the for the Sixers. So we were on the road for staying in shape or just kicks. He and I would play racquetball. Huh. And, you know, we, we'd find a place during the day and go play racquetball. And, you know, it taught me two things, that, you know, athletes, uh, even at that level, even playing against somebody like me, are very, very competitive. And a 6'11 guy can really cover a racquetball court yeah. quite <laughs> quite well. But, yeah, all those things that people said about Charles, going back to David Moore, like, you know, he doesn't make teammates around him better. And that was, of course, one of Charles' great, great routines he says, oh, yeah, everybody said Magic Johnson make the guys around him better. Oh, I'd like to try to make James Worthy better. That must be really, really hard. i got to make Charles Shackleford better. He's still, Ed, right, and he still says that. And by, by the way, Bob Thornton is now, he was with the Grizzlies. He's been with the Kings now for the past, for the past few years. Was, was Barkley a, I mean, he used to call out teammates, but was he a good teammate? He could be a great teammate, uh, but he... Uh, he was not a tremendous sharer of the spotlight. Uh, uh, not that he was that egotistical, but he wanted to make sure that everybody knew who the, who the top dog was. And uh, when you think about it, they're really on those teams, those, the, those better Sixer teams. There was not 
great number twos. I mean, Rick Mahorn was, was a pretty efficient player, and Hersey Hawkins was a good shooting guard, and until he blew up his knee, Johnny Dawkins was a, a good point guard. Uh, but, you know, after they took apart the team with the Moses trade and everything, you know, and Charles became just a preeminent guy and after Doc retired and so forth, uh, there was really – there was no – there was no sidekick to his to his act, really. No one that, that became preeminent. I mean, we talk about these days. Oh, you need those three stars to win a championship. Well, they really never had a second. It was just a lot of role players with Charles, and and you know he until he went maybe to Houston and was there right at the very end with Pippen and was Clyde still playing? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know until he had. He really never had stars to contend with in the locker room. So I think he was a pretty good teammate, but he was also never really challenged for uh, for his seat on the bus. You remember the the first time you saw Charles after the trade when he went to Phoenix? Uh, yes, I do. And? Uh, it was well. It was funny. Uh, it was it was the, he he went to Phoenix and didn't see him the rest of that year, and then. The playoff series opened against the Los Angeles Lakers, and the and the Suns were in its first round, and the Suns were heavily favored, and I think they finished first in their, if they weren't first in the conference, they were second in the conference, and they got down, they lost the first two games at home in that series, in uh, in Phoenix, Paul Westfall was the coach, and so they go to Los Angeles for the next game in the series, and it was best three out of five, so this is an elimination game. And, you know, and Charles was still a big story in Philadelphia. So I flew out there to Los Angeles, this, back in the days when we would do this. Flew out to Los Angeles, knew, you know, is Charles going to get knocked out of the playoffs in the first round, you know, with this great team and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Rich Hoffman from the Daily News flew out. And I think there was somebody else, but I can't remember who it was. I think there were three of us from Philadelphia. And we... <laughs> And we go into the locker room, the Phoenix locker room, before the game in the old forum. And uh, it's dead quiet. You know, this is a team that's, you know, just about to completely soil the bed in the first round of the playoffs. You know, and, and so it's a very small visiting locker room. The coaches are actually you can, are sitting over on one side, too. Westfall was over there. And, you know, everybody's just kind of sitting there very quietly. And we walk in, and Charles stands up, and he goes, Oh, here come the vultures. Here come the vultures from Philadelphia coming in to write our obituary. <laughs> and like the and the other guys on the team are looking at him like he's out of his mind. Like they can't believe that he's taking this that lightly or have whatever you want to say it. And he picked that team up in that game and in the rest of that series. And and they came back and they won three straight and they won the series. But I'll never forget that the, you know that he was in character and that was in, as Charles, and he was as good a, a basketball player that night as I ever saw him. You have to look that up. Any, any other Barkley stories you you want to get off your chest? No, I think that's it for now. We'll save the rest for the for the uh, fourth uh, the fourth podcast because I have to I have to tie your daughter in appearances. All right. Well, uh, yeah, she she does. The way she struts around the apartment, touting her four appearances on the podcast, really gets under Marissa's skin. Yeah, well, you know, this, it's not the biggest thing you'll have to deal with with children, but, you know, 
I, I just would we'll tell her tell her that Bob Ford's coming and uh, oh I'll let her know and I'll I'm, I'm in know. the re- I'm in the rearview mirror thanks Bob my pleasure Noah talk soon The Charles Barkley Japan Mattress Deep Dive on YouTube is really entertaining, but unfortunately didn't lead to the commercial. You can read all of Bob's work on philly.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at Bob Ford Sports. Hopefully knowing his personality a bit will allow you to appreciate his written words in a different way. I'm on Twitter at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. Happy to hear from you with a Barkley story or anything else from the over 100 previous episodes of the show. And I know there are many more of you listening to the show than have clicked the five-star rating and left the review on iTunes. So please take the 30 seconds to do that. And if you don't have access to iTunes, find someone that does and do it on their phone the next time you're together. You can also hear all episodes on the Vocal app. That's V-O-K-A-L and VocalNow.com. Thanks for taking the time to join us on The Follow-Up. The follow-up is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit VocalNow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-Now.com.